the FCC will soon be voting to eliminate net neutrality rules, which were set up during the previous administration. This, I wanted to highlight this for our listeners because it doesn't have anything to do with Conley, but it does have to do with this show. One thing that eliminating net neutrality could do is allow ISPs to charge content providers to deliver their content to the uh, viewers, listeners, readers, whatever. And for a small podcast like this, totally independent, we make very little money. I couldn't afford that. I wouldn't be able to send my show to you. Even people who are outside the United States, I'm in the United States. So it might be uh, difficult for me to get stuff out. So I just wanted to highlight that for you. And there is still time to submit comments to the FCC. And very important, if you are a U.S. citizen, please contact your representatives and your congress, your congressmen, your senators, uh, so that you can let them know how you feel about this. And hopefully that can affect the ultimate outcome. Gotta try everything. Shujar Adil Haraz Dulisha. Dulia Harasigam Dulanim, a Roshim Haralegam Ahdenim. On Langery, the podcast about constructed languages and the people who create them. I'm George Corley. With me down the road a ways is William Annis. Hello. And Matt, where are you? Uh, I'm in Portland, Oregon. All right. So in Oregon, we've got Matt Pearson. Yay. Yeah. Hello. Um, Thank you for inviting me. Yeah. Uh, we have Matt on because of not... We, we have discussed Matt Pearson's Conlang Okuna before without him um but uh we're here just because of one feature that he, that you've included in okuna right the the converbs uh that's which, right which we're going to talk about sort of generally since it's your first time on the show can you like introduce yourself like really quick uh sure um so as you said my name is matt pearson um and i've been into conlanging for probably most of my life uh at least since i was uh, pre-teen uh, Okuna is a language I've been working on for probably the last 25 to 30 years. So that's certainly my longest project, uh, to date. What else about me? So, uh, I teach linguistics at Reed College in Portland, Oregon, uh, which I've been doing for many years. Uh, and, uh, my, uh, my sort of non-conlanging life as a linguist involves uh, working on uh, Austronesian languages, uh, in particular Malagasy. Uh, and apart from Okuna, uh, probably the, the conlanging project that I'm best known for is uh, a long time ago now, when I was a graduate student, I created the language for a TV show called Dark Skies, which ran on NBC for about one year uh, and, then <laughs> sank, and then sank into obscurity. Uh, but I do have a uh, a tiny bit of uh, professional uh, conlanging experience. Right, right. So uh, that thanks for that. And uh, and again, um, there's a feature of Akuna that we're we're going to be talking about today. And 
But we're going to talk generally about it in Natlangs and then what what you can do with it. And that is Converbs. Um, William, you've been, you're the one who's been wanting to do the Converb topic for a long time. Uh, do you want to introduce generally what they are? Sure. So I, I thought we should bring on Matt because both of us gave talks at LCC7 that incidentally involved Converbs. And then we both immediately got a bunch of questions about Converbs. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so... And there like, were actually two or three, there was actually one or two other talks, I think, at LCC 7 that involved Converbs, so it became something of an unintentional theme of the conference. Yeah. yeah. It's, um, it's going to become the new ergativity, huh? I, I hope so. I yeah. hope so. So, first of all, I just love Converb as a name is terribly confusing for conlangers because it sounds like, you know, a constructed verb, but that's really not what it is. Um, the exact definition is a lively debate topic. Mm -hmm. A few years ago, uh, my my hero, Martin Hospelmott, wrote uh, an, or edited a book about converbs, and now everyone argues with him about what is or is not a converb. Um, the, the fundamental features of converbs are that they cannot be used by themselves to form a complete cause, clause rather. They do not form arguments to other verbs. So I could say, you know, Staying up late is a bad idea. And so I've got the clause staying up late is acting as the subject of that. Converbs are not used for that sort of thing. Right. Um, and mostly they do things what we normally think of as somehow dependent. That's what most of us will immediately recognize. Um, uh, befores, afters, becauses, things like that. And sometimes they're called adverbial. And Hospelmont makes the analogy that participles are verbal adjectives and converbs are verbal adverbs. Right. So it's a, a way to link clauses into other clauses uh, with sometimes quite precise, sometimes quite loosey-goosey relationships um, uh, that are vaguely adverbial in sense. Um, what else was I going to say before we move on? Um, and they're most common in verb final languages. Okay. In fact, I'm not sure of any non-verb final language that uses them heavily. I think. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Uh, I think one thing that might be useful when we're talking about converbs also is um, converbs, um, at least in one of the sources we're saying, are classified as a type of non-finite verb, right? Yes. Uh, verb form. And if you compare them to other types of non-finite verbs, you get... Uh, First of all, the adverbial thing is is like the 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 mainstay with the the converb. William, you just used a participle as an argument. Um, infinitives are usually like the complement of a verb, right? So, well, it depends of... on the language. Oh, oh dear! <laughs> right. I am very. See, I, I, I I always someone will always get angry at me if I talk about verb finiteness. So I've been trying to stay away from that. Yeah. Okay, well, maybe someday we will try to tackle that topic. But um, converbs are usually considered not finite. Correct. Well, certainly less finite than your main clause. Right, right. Um, but so they're adverbial. Um, adverbial seems to be like the one thing that is really like the solid thing. Everybody wants to say they're adverbial. The degree that they're like adverbs, people are arguing about. I think 
Um, but right. yeah, and basically their function is to solve certain kinds of problems that mm-hmm. in the Western languages most of us are familiar with uses dependent clauses, conjunctions, um, maybe participles. And here's part of the debate. Some people consider participles a kind of converb. Um, mm-hmm. So that's what their function is. Um, in that sense, they're not particularly exotic. Right. Um, but we'll get to some, some details about how um, they're formed in a, in a few moments. Um, if you're interested in converbs, it's really easy to find papers of online, and I have a zillion of them for this um, recording. And there are three or four hotspots, uh, language hotspots, where these things happen a lot. Mm-hmm. Turkic and Mongolian languages. Right. Um, the Caucasus, where they have they abundant abundantly have them. Um, and in the Ethiopian uh, language region, all sorts of completely unrelated languages all have converbs. Um, and I mentioned this during um, the Coptic episode. Um, and then Matt pointed out if we count clause chaining, which we'll get to in a moment, then Papua New Guinea also becomes a hotspot for these kinds of things. Right. There are at least some there are at least some well known examples of uh, uh, clause chaining languages in Papua New Guinea that look like they have things that we might classify as converbs uh, based on their function and their form. Right. Right. Um, but, but they originally, like the first place where they were identified was Turkic and Mongolian, uh, yes. right? Yes. Yeah. The, the word converb was invented for some Mongolian languages, I believe. And in older literature, they get called all sorts of horrible things like, you know, gerund and gerundive <laughs> and, you know, this kind of thing and that kind of thing. So the, 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 the old fashioned naming, I think people are settling on converb, even if they disagree, um, about margins, you know, right. things, peripheral phenomena, but I'm okay with that because it makes it easier to talk about. Um, the, the, the converbs that we find in Turkic, Mongolian and Caucas- Caucasian languages follow a basically similar pattern in formation. Mm-hmm. And then, the African situation is a little bit more debatable, and we'll get to that a bit. I consider them still converbs because they do all of the same jobs. The only weirdness is they're usually inflected for person, which is frequently not the case mm-hmm. in in the other in the other language areas. Right, mm-hmm. but they're still dependent. Still dependent cannot occur in a clause by themselves, even though they're marked fully for person and 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 other things. Um, right. But, but yeah, cannot be used alone. Right. In terms of forming them, converbs are much less, in general, much less marked for verbal features than main verbs. Less marked for aspect, less marked for tense. Not at all marked for person in most languages that have them, um, except in the African zone. Um, and then the only other weirdness is often there will be a separate negative converb affix. So if you have a general uh, imperfective converb, you will have a general negative imperfective converb, which may be formed separately than rather just having a negator floating around somewhere. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, we can talk about the details of the forms in a little bit more. Let's just talk about some of the functions. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first one is is clause chaining. It's not subordinate. And in most languages with converbs, Clause chaining is something that can be used, or that converbs can be used for, but may or may not be the primary function. 
So for an example, I went to the store, bought some bread, went home and watched TV. Mm-hmm. In the converb language or a clause chaining non-final verb language like in Papua New Guinea, only the last clause, watched some TV, would be fully inflected. Okay. I went to the store, bought some bread, went home, would all be converb forms. All right. And then the last one would be fully inflected. Interesting. Right. So you might have something like, I, to the store, go, converb, bread, buy, converb, home, go, converb, and TV, watch. And then watch would be where you'd have the past tense marking, maybe uh, marking for the subject being first person singular and so on. Mm. So okay. it's, it, uh, when, when I first encountered these languages in the Papua New Guinea context, they kind of blew my mind because you, you're sort of treated to this entire long narrative and you have to wait until the very last verb in the chain before you get the, the tense aspect and mood information. It's, uh, it's very exotic from an, uh, a European perspective. That's that's an interesting uh, thought about this. Um, I, I would wonder how that interacts with other parts of the grammar if they these languages are going to be more likely to have overt pronouns or things like that or um, like discourse things like are they going to since they have the tense way at the end if they're going to have um, be more likely to put, like things like yesterday and today and stuff in there um, earlier on. Uh, but that's an interesting thought. Um, right. So uh, some of these languages do inflect for person. And then there are some languages in the Caucasus that are strongly pro-drop. Mm-hmm. And then it can get quite hairy keeping track of who's doing what to whom. Right, right. Um, and, and we'll talk about this in a little bit. Um, the converb forms themselves can be either very simple like there are basically, you know, two to four suffixes, and that's the end of it. Um, or they can be quite complex oh. to, to manage things like co-reference. Um, mm. So if you have a small number of converbs, you're typically going to have one that represents uh, simultaneous action. He is sitting and eating. He, sitting converb, eating finite verb. Right. Right. Then you're going to have a second one, which is basically anterior it might be called perfective and that was my example i went to the store and bought some bread mm, you know okay. to the store went or go uh perfective converb bought some bread you know whatever your tense and aspect stuff so the most fundamental in most language is are a converb that indicates simultaneous action and a converb that can be used for basically sequencing um these are both uh, things that Haspelmat tends to call narrative converbs, or they can be used narratively, um, and they're the most common ones that you'll see. English typically uses, uh, you know, while or after or just sequences clauses, like I did in my I went to the store, bought some bread. We just understand because of the tenses that they're in order. Mm-hmm. Um, languages like ancient Greek or Latin uh, use participles galore. Right. To, to, to do things like this, you know, having gone, you know, in the old high translationese, you know, having gone to the store, you know, I bought some bread. Right. Right. Um, so those are the two most simple. You might have an even simpler circumstance where you have a converb and a converb clause has some relationship to the main clause. And it may depend very much on context determining what that is. Uh, but the the it is very interesting. Uh, so 
if you have a but it, it is an interesting thing if you have a like a converb form that can indicate simultaneous action and one that can in, indicate sequence that that is a very interesting thing to play with with narratives. So that's um, right. And as Matt said, you get long piles of these things in languages that have them. Yeah. So that that would be fun to write stories with. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I I've got one project of my own now that I'm working on, and I uh, once you train yourself to use them, you use them all the time. Mm-hmm. These simple core functions. Okay. So those are the simplest converts. Then you have the more complex uh, or, or finer distinctions can be made, the more adverbial senses that effectively act as what we would do with conjunctions in English. Mm-hmm. So NIV, if I'm saying that right, has no conjunctions at all. Okay. But it does have, it does have 20 kinds of converbs. Oh. Um, and they can be quite, I call them fussy in my notes, but surprisingly specific. So we've got reference to a paper on Achvach, which is a Caucasian language. Um, I forget which branch. They have this horribly confusing thing called the general converb. They have a locative converb, which is marvelous. This turns a phrase effectively into a kind of noun that can take locative case marking. Mm-hmm. So he went to where his wife was cooking. His, you know, wife cooking converb case marker, he went. Right. Okay. Yep. Um, there's uh, one that they called inceptive. So from the moment when the action began, as soon as, before, Achvach uh, uh, has one that means just before. Uh-huh. You have conditional and concessive. So concessive is like, although, you can have in the same way as, uh, you can have because, purpose and result in order to, with the result that. Um, and then my favorite is the gradual, where in English we use the more, the more. Right. The bigger they are, the the harder they fall. That's exactly. And they've got a separate converb just for that. I'm trying. I'm trying to imagine how that works. So, so you would have something like he is big, and then this converb form he falls, and that would be how you'd say the bigger he is, the harder he falls. Exactly. Ah, hmm. very interesting. Yep. Let me see. Um, yeah, the. There's some examples in the in the paper people can look at. So there are will... examples in the paper of all of these. Yeah. Um, Archie has a marvelous converb. It's an imperative converb. It is only <laughs> it is only used when your main verb is also an imperative. Okay. I just love the the specificity of that. So the main verb is has to be imperative, and then yes. the converb is used in the is is imperative as well. Yes. Okay. So it would be something like go and get bread and go would be in the imperative converb form. Yep. Oh, okay. Very cool. That's interesting. I, I mean, normally I would expect to use one of those sequencing um, converbs right. for something like that. So yeah, that, that was interesting. I don't know how common that is. I would guess not very. Right. Um, um, now, now that I'm thinking about it, um, one way that you can relate the, uh, I guess the the reason it's called a converb maybe the con is is um, the the Latin con meaning with right right yes uh, right yeah so um, like uh, an adjunct verb uh, interesting and, and this sort of specificity is not I mean it's this example's weird I Archie's the only language I've seen that has this um, 
But you can get converbs whose function is incredibly fussy. So Achvach has one converb whose name I'm forgetting. I think they call it progressive, which is basically only used with three main verbs. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, and is used basically to form um, to, to form some aspectual. Yeah, it excludes uh, it, it exclusively in combination with the copula or the verb bikurula, uh, be an existential function, and then three other verbs remain, see, and find. Uh, right. So yeah, that's interesting. Right. So you can get quite. Uh, restricted uh, range of use for some of them. I think they just become routine and routine and grammaticalized effectively, mm-hmm. um, and so they're not f- really freely usable as as conjunctions in the way we've been talking about so far. Mm-hmm. When you when a language has this many different kinds of converbs, this raises the issue that you raised at the very beginning, which is that the term converb is a little bit hazy. What exactly yeah. it means? Uh, everybody seems to agree that these are dependent forms of some sort, that they have, you know, re- typically reduced marking for things like tense and aspect and person and so on. Uh, mm. But kind of beyond that, I think uh, there's a lot of variation in how people use the term converb. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, I wonder if a, a, another person working on Achbach might uh, uh, have uh, opted to call some of these things other things. They're Possible. all. Yeah, they're all clearly dependent verb forms, and it's cool that there are so many of them. Right. Yeah, think- yeah, it's fun, and and we'll talk uh, towards the end about the historical development of these. They're, they they really seem to uh, cycle through them and chew through them and generate new ones and lose old ones pretty quickly. Mm, okay, that's that's a thought. Um, let's talk about a uh, single converb type in any any in a given language. Maybe do narrative and subordinating jobs, so okay. Um, right. Other sorts of adverbial senses, you have another paper yes. for us? So, um, yet another paper. So uh, this is kind of related to our episode some time ago about auxiliary verb constructions. Mm-hmm. Converbs are basically, if you've got converbs, your auxiliary constructions are going to use those typically instead of participles or infinitives or the like, or at least they will be the dominant part. So in Wolaita, which is uh, a language from the Ethiopian zone, um, does all sorts of very subtle um, aspectual refinements, but also um, adverb senses with uh, converb constructions, um, and where the, the main verb then is one of these uh, in, uh Auxiliaries. So, for example, the verb to know, when it is used with a converb clause, it represents an experiential, um, sort of like English uses the perfect, I have eaten, you know, platypus, indicates an experience uh, rather than a simple statement of fact. Um, they would use no plus a converb clause. Remove oneself with a converb clause represents an irreversible state. Okay. Um, yeah, to indicate something, you've done it to an extreme degree. Um, it uses, you know, what we would consider the, the the content of the sentence in a converb clause. And if it's a transitive verb, you use kill. And if it's an intransitive verb, you use die. So this is a classic example of those words indicating extreme degree. Wow. Okay. Sure. Uh, yeah. Um, and then, marvelously, it has words that specifically mean 
spend the night doing something, spend the day doing something, or spend the season or year doing something. Um, and again, uh, this is what we would normally do as an adverb or a, a prepositional clause. Uh, well, it does with a verb plus a converb uh, uh, clause. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, you talked about, your, you also mentioned that converbs interact with when you have a, um, uh, what they call satellite frame versus verb frame language, which is something we talked about on episode number 14. Yes. Where um, uh, satellite framed or S language is um, like English, right? Uh, the, the, the paper flew off the table. Uh, the, the verb is encoding the manner of, of the motion. Uh, and then the, there's some satellite in English, it's a preposition, uh, but there's some satellite that tells you what, uh, what the direction was or something. Um, whereas in Spanish, as an example, you'd say, um, uh, el papel salió volando, the, the paper left flying from the table basically and this is something it's sort of like it's a whether a language is more likely to do one strategy than the other in discourse it's not necessarily like a strict grammatical structure thing but you're saying that you you noted that converbs in languages with converbs usually end up being like the satellite that shows manner right Right. So they're much more like the languages, like the Romance languages. So Turkish is the, a good example because it is both a, a V language or leans as a being a V language and it has converbs. Right. Voila. So where French or Spanish would use, you know, a participle to indicate manner. Right. Um, if you've got converbs, you use though instead. And that sort of makes sense. Okay. Yeah, since uh, uh, the the function of these converbs is is adverbial, some in some cases the the converb will express something like uh, manner or means by which the event that's named by the main verb uh, is carried out. Right. So uh, it sort of makes sense semantically that if a language has a, a verb form that does that, like like Turkish does, that it would it would use them uh, to uh, uh, in in code manner in these kind of motion events. Right. Um, and, and as sort of an implication of this, sort of moving on a little further, if you want to avoid the number of prepositions or postpositions you have, converbs can fill in some of those roles as well. Mm-hmm. We also have done, you know, an entire conlangery episode about auxiliary verb constructions. And as I said earlier, if you've got converbs, they will be the dominant feature used for your auxiliaries. Um, and for an example, a, a simultaneous converb plus some form of B is quite common for progressives, for example. Mm. Okay. As hinted in some of the earlier um, Wolaita examples I gave, and also some things with um, auxiliary verb constructions, you can get basically complex predicates where a converb form plus the main verb together form an idiom. No, they just mean something completely separate all by themselves. So my favorite example is, and it shows up in Wolaita, talks about converbs all the time, the phrase, these pants are too tight, has these pants slap converb hold. Okay. 
So slap and a convert form plus hold together form a single unit, meaning too tight, basically. Okay. That's so interesting. So these, these pants hold slappingly. Or yeah. something. Or something like that. Yeah, I mean, uh, you can sort of see how it got going, but now it's become sort of a, a, a fixed easy. phrase. Yes. Um, another good one is twist converb turn um, means that you captured someone through trickery or by misleading them. Okay. Very nice. Um, I would very much like to see a good Wolaita dictionary in English. Uh-huh. Because my Amharic is not up to uh, a Wolaita Amharic dictionary. Um, when these things happen, uh, funky things can happen with uh, prosody. Uh, in the Wolaita example, the convert form itself is even further reduced from an already simplified form. Um, and you can't stick material between these two verbs. Um, and the stress uh, moves around in funky ways. Oh, okay. So, again, this becomes a way to generate interesting vocabulary idiomatically using a converb plus main verb combination. It sounds like the there's a path to grammaticalization there in that um, the converb forms could start to get uh, attached to the um, auxiliary forms. Yes. Yeah. And it's entirely possible that some things that are... I should have made note of this. Yeah, it would not surprise me to see languages where it says, oh, we've got converbs, and oh, here's this kind of complex-looking um, progressive, and it turns out that historically that was originally a converb plus a verb that's just become fossilized over time. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay, so as we talked about earlier, it can get a bit complicated keeping track of who's the subject and the object of each of these verbs. If you have a whole slew of converb clauses and then one little lonely main verb at the end, um, who's the subject? Um, And in the simplest case, you simply inherit from the main clause. That's the simplest case, and I think the most common for the the most generic converbs, especially the ones that we talked about in the narrative senses, the sort of sequencing and, and simultaneous action. Very frequently, these languages, in addition to just having, you know, the simultaneous and sequencing converb will have separate simultaneous and sequencing converbs for switch reference. So one when the subject is the same, one is when the subject is different. Okay. Um, and we've talked about switch reference in the past, though I don't know that we devoted an entire episode to it. Uh, I know that we've talked we talked about it uh, quite a bit. Um, yeah, it comes up regularly, and it's possible you might get inflected converbs. Um, some people like to argue about whether these are converbs or not, but because they act so much the same, I'm going to go with the camp that says that they are. This is most common in Africa, but it does pop up in other places. Um, you might have converbs where the inflection is defective. And by that, but by, by that, I mean that it's not as clearly marked. For example, NIV again has three classes of subject marking on converbs. The first one, all of the forms are identical except the second singular and third singular, and those two look alike. So basically there are two endings, one for first person and all of the plurals, and then another form for the second and third singular. Okay. There's a second class uh, of endings that are all identical except for the second singular and third singular again, except this time they're different. Mm. So that gives you a whopping three forms. So uh, you might have uh, reductions in inflection, or you might have things that are fully 
inflected for person all of the time. Uh, like in uh, Coptic, I guess, is the example. Mm-hmm. Um, and in and, and some other uh, uh, languages in the Ethiopian zone. And I have an entire, a link to an entire paper talking about converbs in the African context. So that gives examples. Um, and within a single language, you may have different different kinds of converbs may have different kinds of agreement assumptions. Some might mark the subject, some might not. Some might prefer a same subject interpretation, some might prefer a different subject interpretation, um, and others, all bets are off. You have to determine from context. Mm-hmm. So you, you don't have to just pick uh, one way of answering the, the co-reference and arguments question. You might have several uh, answers or several solutions all in the same language. All right. Okay. Uh, do we want to talk anything about function or other things before we talk a little bit about the historical stuff? Um, I don't know. Matt, do you have any other notes before we get to historical? Uh, no, I think we can move on. I mean, I'll, I'll, I can talk about uh, some of the functions of converbs in my conlang when we get there. Sure. sure. So that'll fill in some of the gaps. Okay. So all of the papers I found on the historical development of converbs indicates that they are most often, maybe there are other ways, but all of the papers I find say that they are basically case forms or some sort of derivation from verbalizations. Mm-hmm. So like an action noun, running, like running is fun, that running becomes the basis of creating some sort of converb form. Now, this is confusing in English because the ing ending both forms nouns and adjectives, but I'm talking about the noun forms here. Um, one of the papers I reference says morphological, syntactic, and semantic similarities between case suffix nouns, action nouns, and converbs abound in many erratic languages as new converbal forms seem to be constantly developing from nominally inflected action nominals. Okay, that's so interesting. There's lots of churn. Um, and then I have a paper to a nice, uh, really good diachronic discussion uh, for uh, some Tibeto Burman languages. Yeah. So I, I guess the the idea is uh, you get a nominalized form and nominalizations, those can be like sources of infinitives, too. It's not yes. um, unexpected yes. that a, a non-finite form comes from a nominalization. But the, the other thing is like you get a nominalization and then sometimes you get a case attached to that. And then that can be how you get all your various different kinds of converbs because um, you could, you can just have like them all be from the locative case of the nominalization, or you could have several locative cases, or you could have various oblique cases getting stuck in and ending up with different meanings as converbs, like different tense and aspect meanings, right? Right. Um, in fact, one of the papers I linked to gives lists of uh, case marking senses. Mm-hmm. Um, and their likely converb sense outcome. Mm-hmm. Um, and this makes a certain amount of sense. I mean, English is kind of weird. If you want to nominalize a verb clause, you make the subject the possessor, like his talking so loudly irritated me. So we had, you know, he's talking loudly, and then we just attach the subject as a possessor to it is talking so loudly. So it's not like it's weird for nominalized verbs to be used as clauses. That happens all the time. It is very common. 
Mm-hmm. Um, there are some languages that have a zillion kinds of nominalization um, and are the primary way of forming subordination. Uh, so that's that's pretty expected and usual. Um, mm-hmm. I couldn't find anything good explaining how you get conver kinds of the African variety where you clearly have these non-finite things or mm-hmm. they have to be dependent, but they're still fully inflected, which might include both subject and object marking. Um, so those are, those are less obviously derived from nominalizing forms to me, right. but maybe they are. You kind of would expect for uh, the nominalization to get rid of a lot of the inflection, right? So exactly. There's a question of were those nominalized and then somehow accreted those agreement for, uh, that agreement morphology and stuff later, or is it from another source, right? right. So mm, this is, maybe we'll have this, to. Hmm? Yeah, sorry, this is pure speculation on my part, but I'm I, I was just thinking of another possible source for converbs. I don't know if this has ever been documented in any actual language, right. but uh, one possibility is that they might arise in a in a verb final language from the reanalysis of a verb and a following conjunction, sort of a word meaning and or and then or something like that, uh, the reanalysis of, of the conjunction with the preceding verb into a single verb form. The, uh, I, I don't know if there's any basis for, for uh, saying that that's happened in any uh, natlangs that have um, converbs, but I'm thinking of a phenomenon that's sort of similar to converbs in some oceanic languages that I'm familiar with. Uh, in particular, a language called Eromangan, which uh, also, it's also known as Sye, S-Y-E, uh, uh, which is a language uh, spoken in Vanuatu. And in this language, you get these constructions that sort of look like the mirror image of these converb constructions in these verb final languages. So Eromangan is S-V-O rather than S-O-V. And, but you can get chains of uh, verbs one after the other. Um, where, uh, in the case of Aramangan, only the first verb has, uh, subject agreement and, uh, tense and aspect marking on it. And then all of the following verbs are sort of dependent verbs. So, uh, to, to say something like, uh, I went to the store and bought bread, uh, bought would be sort of in this dependent form and only the verb meaning went would be in the full form. And if you look at these dependent forms in Aramangan, they, they all begin with a prefix that looks very much like the word for and in the language. So uh, uh, it looks kind of like what's happened is that the word for and has been sort of reanalyzed as a prefix on uh, the verb, kind of supplanting the, the uh, uh, tense and agreement uh, morphology on that verb. And uh, I wonder if anything like that may have happened in verb final languages that could be a, a that could be an explanation for why these things look more like uh main clause verbs than they do in most languages that have converbs that's true yeah and i i have i do remember reading some stuff about reanalysis of conjunctions uh, sometimes getting you know dragged into this mess um and there's also the situation um in some of the african languages where possession is marked with an affix already um so you're halfway to person marking if you've got that right yeah um i don't think it's necessarily you know that's an interesting hypothesis and i'm sure we can leave it to the uh uh well you can investigate it on the academic side or we can leave it to historical linguists to 
to investigate that. But um, I think actually uh, this is a good exercise for conlangers to do is to not necessarily derive these things in the same way that we know natural languages do them, although that's a good guide, but like try to think about different ways that you could get this this um uh this feature in your language like trying to get converbs by sticking conjunctions on them you could get a lot of the things you could use different conjunctions and get different types of converbs out of that right so uh it's definitely something good and if you're a naturalistic conlanger it still means that you're thinking about where did this come from right Right. And how how does where it comes from affect what the language looks like now? Exactly. That's yeah, that's why I mentioned that as a possibility. Uh, uh, it certainly seems like something that uh, a language could do, even mm-hmm. if we don't have examples of natural languages that have done that. Uh, certainly, there's no reason I can think of why a conlang could do that. Right. Um, let's actually move on to conlangs a little bit. Uh, who wants to start first? I haven't done converbs at all, so it's between you two guys. Uh, William, I'll leave it up to you. Well, I mean, I have a slowly developing personal project called Kielta that has been using them, um, more and more, uh, over time. And at the LCC, I used them as an example of, um, avoiding what, you, Matt, called the uh, just another, just add another affix problem that we can sometimes get in conlanging. Right. Um, rather than create a new separate future form, I created an auxiliary construction using a converb and 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 uh, uh, an auxiliary. Um, and, and so that's really what I've been focusing on there. I, I'm trying not to look at that marvelous and tasty Achvach list or go with, you know, <laughs> and add 20 kinds off the bat. Um, but it's, it's been, it's been interesting to play with and, and finding ways to keep using them. Yes. Right. It's, it can definitely be a, a way to like, whether you want to do like just one converb or, or two converb forms or 20 of them, like it can be an interesting thing for you to, to like, um, just like with anything, like try to like set up a system and then try to express everything, use it with with that system, right? Do everything yep. you can with that. Yeah. And uh, Matt, then, well, you you used them in Okuna, and in your talk you were saying it was one of the strategies you used to avoid having prepositions, right? Yes, add positions in general. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I, Okuna is maybe an interesting case study from the conlang perspective because I sort of stumbled into converbs as a way to solve a problem that I had set for myself. Uh, and I wasn't even really aware that converbs existed in natural languages when I first hit upon this idea. Uh, uh, at least I had never really looked into them. So uh, in, in some ways, uh, uh, I, I sort of independently invented them. And it's always kind of fun when that sort of thing happens. Um, so um, I don't know how much detail you want me to get into on this, but um, Okuna formerly known as Tokana, has been around for a long time, uh, and it's undergone a lot of changes because I keep tinkering with it over the years. And the converb sort of grew out of two or three different changes that happened over the course of the language. Um, 
first of all, uh, the, the language changed its word order. So when I was originally working on it, it was a head initial language uh, mm-hmm. with basically uh, VSO or SVO word order. Uh, and over time, I decided I wanted it to be a verb final language. Uh, it began to acquire uh, more and more features of, of head final languages, and it was sort of not making sense to me as a language in terms of the word order uh, until I decided, well, let me put the verb at the end and see how that changes the language and, and various things sort of fell into place. Uh, so the change of the language to being a verb final language is one thing that sort of caused these converbs to come into being. Uh, another thing that caused them to come into being was, so you mentioned <coughs> earlier uh, this distinction between S languages and, and V languages, right? So uh, languages that encode, so in, in motion events, uh, languages that encode uh, the path of motion uh, as being sort of the main verb uh, in the predicate uh, versus uh, languages that encode the manner of motion uh, as the main predicate, uh, English being an example of the latter. So uh, uh, I, I think your example was something like the paper flew off the table, right. where the main verb there, fly, expresses the manner of motion, and then we have uh, a preposition off that sort of expresses the trajectory of the object in motion. Right. And that that's different from languages like Spanish, uh, where verbs tend to lexicalize the trajectory of motion. Um, and I, you know, I, in sort of, in the ongoing quest to make Okuna no longer be a relexification of English, uh, I decided I wanted Okuna to be more like Spanish in this respect. Um, so I, you know, began to, uh, uh, develop lots of verbs with meanings like, uh, go on to, go off of, go through, go into, go out of, uh, and so on, where, where the, the verb is sort of expressing the trajectory of motion. Right. At the same time, I was making some some changes to the case system and wanting to simplify, both simplify and complexify the case system in, in different ways. Um, and I've sort of I talked about that in an earlier uh, LCC talk. Uh, and sort of at, kind of at the confluence of all of these different bits of tinkering that I was doing on the language, uh, I hit upon the idea that I was exploring in my most recent. LCC talk about getting rid of ad positions from the language. Um, And so I was thinking about, well, how in my language am I going to say things like uh, the the, um, paper flew off the table if I don't have a word for off, right? If I don't have a preposition that means off. Um, So in in part, uh, making uh, uh, Okuna into a uh, a language that... uh, lexicalizes the trajectory as as the main verb so to have a verb that means something like to go off of a surface uh was sort of the solution that i had but then how do you express the manner right so so i could uh say things like the paper went off of the table but how do i express that it did that by flying um my original uh solution for that was to uh, was actually the the uh, uh, add an affix solution. So I basically started by playing around with having a bunch of manner affixes mm-hmm. that could get added to verbs, these little prefixes that would get attached to the verbs to express the manner of motion. So you'd have a basic verb that means something like go into or enter, and then you'd add a prefix to it that expresses to do this in a running manner. So that would 
form the verb that means to run into, and then to do it in a walking manner, to do it in a crawling manner, to do it in a swimming manner or a flying manner, and so on. That sounds like that would balloon very quickly. It did balloon very quickly. Now, there are some uh, natural languages that do do things like this. So there are some uh, indigenous languages of North America that actually have these kinds of manner prefixes. Right. Uh, and some of them survive a little bit in Okuna as kind of frozen forms. So I've sort of uh, 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 retconned them as uh, historical developments over time. Right. But I, but I, I didn't want to have this ballooning of prefixes. And I, I could imagine, you know, I kept imagining more and more different kinds of manner of motion that uh, I might want to express as these prefixes. And it was the system was just getting out of hand. Mm-hmm. So then I decided, well, okay, I better have a separate word for expressing the the manner of motion, but I don't want that to be the main verb. So uh, why don't I just invent this new verb form? I think at first I called it an adverbial form. That, <laughs> uh, you know, so the the language already had uh, stated verbs. So a verb meaning uh, to be tall, for example. So there are no there are no separate adjectives in Okuna, like in many other conlangs and and many natlangs. Uh, there's no uh, distinction between an adjective category and a verb category. So I, I already had state of verbs in the language, uh, and I needed a way to form manner adverbs from them. So I figured I would just change the, the ending on the verb to form a manner adverb. So from uh, a, a verb meaning uh, quick, uh, you could add, uh, change the suffix on the verb, and that would form an adverbial form meaning quickly. Uh, so I needed such a form anyway. So I decided that I would use that same form uh, in these uh, motion verb constructions. So uh, adding that uh, adverbial suffix to uh, a verb meaning fly, uh, and then pairing that with a main verb meaning enter, gives me something like enter in a flying manner, or enter flyingly. (laughs) Uh, And that was going to be my way of expressing fly into. uh, And then I wouldn't need a preposition into, because the part of the point here was getting rid of prepositions from the right. language. Uh, so uh, uh, this, you know, separating out the, the word that expresses manner uh, was, uh, you know, enabled me to make the system fully productive. I didn't have to invent a new prefix every time I wanted to, you know, every time I came up with a different manner in which something could be done. Um, and then once I had this construction, uh, at this point, I, I, I didn't really know about converbs. I'd sort of heard about them in Korean and a few other languages, but I'd never really looked into them because my uh, linguistic research focuses primarily on languages that don't have converbs. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they, they were sort of low in my level of awareness. But once I sort of had them in the grammar, uh, I was interested in thinking about other things that I could do with them. So um, it's not just motion events, but other kinds of events that can uh, involve a particular manner uh, in which something is done. So um, uh, I think in my uh, grammar for Okuna, I have an example of a sentence, something like, uh, he pelted the rat with stones. Mm-hmm. Uh, and rather than having a separate verb meaning to pelt, I decided that I would uh, express that concept by a combination of verbs. So there would be a main verb meaning to hit, and then a converb form, that would mean throw. Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, the way in which it gets expressed in Okuna is um, he uh, hit the he hit the uh, rat with the stone throwingly or by means of throwing. 
So throw shows up as a converb modifying the main verb hit. Uh, and uh, the more you sort of explore uh, the possibilities of this construction, the more situations you, you find where it might be useful to use a converb. Right. Uh, so uh, um, uh, uh, another situation uh, where they uh, uh, where they arose is so think about a sentence like I don't know if you guys have talked on this podcast about uh, secondary predication resultative constructions not so a whole th- lot so mm. things like he hammered the nail flat right, right. so if you, if you think about what that means uh, so uh, he uh, hammered the nail until a particular point was reached the point where the nail was flat right right so. Uh, every language ought to have some way of expressing things like this, um, um, but not all languages do it the same way. And I was thinking, well, how would I do this in Okuna? So um, the the idea I hit upon is, so uh, uh, as I said, the language already had uh, uh, stative verbs, so a verb meaning be flat, um, and a way of forming inchoative verbs from that. So a verb meaning either to become flat or to make something flat depending on whether it's transitive or intransitive. So I figured, well, well, why don't I start with that? I'll make that sort of the the core of the predicate and uh, express the hammering part by means of a a satellite. Uh, So here's where the converb comes in, right? So uh, uh, the way of expressing this this concept, he hammered the nail flat in Okuna, is he flattened the nail, and then you add a converb, uh, meaning hammer or hit with a hammer and that expresses the manner in which the flattening took place right. so uh, those are basically some of the the uses for these constructions that i came up with uh, and i eventually decided to call them converbs uh after doing a little bit more reading about converbs and natural languages and realizing that what i had basically hit on was something that lots of natural languages were already using so i might as well use the same term for them right <laughs> right, right. Um, I didn't that, give them in a list, but there are languages that have separate, dedicated manner converbs. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. And uh, uh, Okuna actually makes a, a, a distinction between those manner converbs and what I call participles, although I'm using the term rather differently from how uh, Haspelmat would use it. Uh, and these are, the, these are the sort of dependent forms that do things like express uh, simultaneous or anterior actions. Right. <clears throat> right. But they. Um, uh, they happen to have the same suffix as the adverbial converb in Okuna, so I can I can tell the story that historically these things are related, even if they are not related synchronically. Mm-hmm. Huh. So, do, do, do your first forms of converbs um, c- could they take additional arguments, or were they simply more adverbial than verbal? <laughs> so they they um, well they could not themselves take additional arguments. So mm-hmm. my my way of conceiving of these things uh, is a little bit different from what a, uh, converb constructions in some languages like the uh, Mongolian and Ethiopian languages you were talking about uh, uh, work like. So um, uh, in these Okuna constructions, the converb and the main verb uh, sort of combine together to form a, a kind of a compound. So okay. the, the reanalysis stage where the converb and the main verb are sort of uh, combining together to form a unit, which you talked about a little bit uh, uh, a little bit ago, uh, in my mind, that stage has happened in Okuna. Okay. Uh, so these things are, are kind of a single clause. 
Right. So there's a constraint on when you can add a converb to the main verb, which is that it has to have the same argument structure as the main verb. So we don't, uh, they can't be used if, uh, say, um, the, the person doing the hammering and the person doing the flattening are, are different, right? They, so the, the, the two verbs have to be combining together to form what is conceptually a single event. Okay. So they sort of, the two verbs sort of share their arguments. And um, it's a little bit complicated how it works. Uh, basically, if the two verbs uh, um, have different numbers of arguments, uh, so say uh, the, the main verb has only one argument and the uh, converb has two arguments, uh, then the combined construction will have the maximum number of arguments that are allowed by the two verbs that have been combined. So the total construction would have two arguments because it sort of inherits its argument structure from the sure. two verbs that you combine. And then, and then, if again, if our listeners are to want to do this in the conline, another possibility would to have various kinds of valence changing, hanky panky, like passives or antipassives or other things to chuck away. Um, arguments they're going to confuse your your converb and main verb interaction exactly mm. uh, this was another bit of, another bit of minimalism in okuna is uh, no argument changing morphology no passives no antipassives no causatives mm. so um. uh, uh, I, I wanted to see how far I could get without having any of those things and uh, so obviously the converb constructions in okuna are going to work very differently from uh, in a language that does have things like passives or anti-passives. I just wanted to mention one other thing where one other place in Okuna where converbs pop up, uh, and that is in polite commands um, or polite requests. So uh, the word for please in Okuna comes at the very end of the clause. If you, if you want to say, please close the door, uh, it would be door, close, and then the word for please at the very end. And close, what you might think of as being the main verb in the clause, it actually shows up in the converb form. Mm. Uh, and the reason for that is uh, that the word meaning please uh, is uh, was originally a verb right. uh, that meant something like um, fulfill a request. So uh, the uh, sort of historically, the, the the way in Okuna that you express please close the door uh, is something like um, uh, may you fulfill a request by means of closing the door. Okay. So, so the, the manner, uh, so, so the closing of the door is sort of the manner in which the request is fulfilled. So, uh, uh, because the construction has this historical source, uh, the, the verb for close is going to show up in the converb form. Yeah. Right. In the, the Turkic languages, it is extremely common for there to be uh, a benefactive or also an auto benefactive, which we'll just, you know, skip over that where, you know, I did this action for someone. Right. Um, and, you know, sometimes you get an applicative for that, but in the Turkic languages, very commonly you have, again, a convert clause representing the action. And then the yep. main verb is just a form of to give. Oh. Um, and indicating that you're doing something, you know, for someone else, and that's a pretty obvious extension of that. So another way that politeness um, can get involved you know, with your converbs. All right. Yeah, exactly. Well, um, that's about all the time we have. Uh, that 
That's uh, very enlightening, and I am inspired to create a language that has converbs. Uh, I don't know if I want to. Um, the The language I'm working on right now has the machinery that I could get converbs out of it, but I was actually thinking of creating, uh, putting converbs into another language family. But anyway, mm. uh, whatever I decided to do, I hope people are inspired to look into converbs. It's definitely like a deep category to like read in, and we will have a lot of uh, citations with the show. I, 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 I'm torturing George with the number of links I've included. This time. Uh, it's not a, it's not a big deal. I just gotta I just gotta put them in the proper format and everything. Um, and uh, uh, I before I go, I do want to uh, apologize uh, for the late episode ne- last month. I just end of semester has been so crazy. Um, hopefully this episode will come up on time, but like at present, I have not. I am like halfway through editing the last episode, so um, uh, <laughs> uh, it probably came out uh, a couple weeks late. Uh, sorry about that, but um, I will try to make sure I maintain the schedule in the future. Anyway, um, go look into Converbs. See if you want to uh, put things, uh, put them to use in your language. And uh, and I hope you have lots of ideas for what you could use them for if you want to use them. And I'm going to say happy conlanging. Thank you for listening to Conlangery. You can find our archives and show notes at conlangery.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Tumblr. Our web space is provided by the Language Creation Society. Our site was designed by Bianca Richards. And our theme music is by Null Device. Conlangery is under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Share Alike license. You are free to use our show for any non-commercial work as long as credit is provided to Conlangery Podcast and you use a similar Creative Commons license. Conlangery is supported by our listeners. Please visit patreon.com slash conlangery to give your support. Thank you. Gonna tag this at the end of the show because I keep forgetting about it. We have a new $20 patron. His name is Graham Hill. So thank you, Graham, and thank you to all of our patrons.